Welcome. We're so glad you joined us for this week's podcast from Pursuit City Church in Corpus Christi, Texas. Our prayer is that you are both encouraged and challenged in your relationship with Jesus. If you need prayer or want to share a story about what God has done in your life, please send an email to amen at pursuitcc.com. Be blessed with today's message. So we're going to conclude, you like that? Conclude our series this month, uh, Loophole. How many of you enjoyed the series, Loophole? How many of you learned something? Amen. We've learned a lot about grace. We've learned a lot about mercy. Um, today I want to highlight the nature of Jesus again. Last time, uh, last Sunday we talked about how he was asleep on the boat. Or actually, it was on Christmas Eve. We talked about how he was asleep on the boat. And uh, that was part of his nature. He's at rest when we're at turmoil. It's kind of crazy. Um, and the fact that they did not have the faith to speak to their situation themselves highlighted the fact that we have the power to speak to the situation ourselves. Amen. Uh, so that was a little glimpse of the nature of Christ and uh, we're going to continue on with that this morning as we close out the year. This is the last Sunday in 2019, the last message I'll preach in 2019. And we're going to go out with a wonderful story of Jesus healing people and meeting people where they're at. You ready? Amen. Turn with me to Mark chapter 2 and verse 1. If you don't have your Bible with you, you can follow along on the screen. Or if you have your phone, you can follow along on your phone. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. And this is the last installment of the Loophole series. We learned that grace is different from mercy. Amen? Grace is God giving us what we don't deserve. Mercy is God withholding what we do deserve. There are so many times that we receive from God and we didn't earn it. We didn't deserve it. There's nothing we could have done to get there. And God said, here you go. That's my grace. That's my love towards you. That's how much I care about you. It's a blessing. It's a favor. Amen. Mercy is the complete opposite. We've done something we shouldn't have done. We said something we shouldn't have said. We acted the way we shouldn't have acted. Amen. <laughs> Check your attitude. And then God withholds what really you do deserve. The judgment, the punishment, the repercussions, the consequences at times. He withholds those things and that is his mercy. That's, and the Bible says what's beautiful about it, that his mercies are new every morning. It means you get a clean slate every morning. And I'm thankful for that. Because regardless of how perfect you think you are or you think other people might be, there's no one on this planet that does it the right way all the time. We all need his grace. We all need his mercy. They are the loopholes to getting out of our human predicament, which is the stronghold of sin. So we're going to talk a little bit about what Jesus does when he shows up, how he approaches these scenarios, how he approaches our humanity. Are you ready? Let's jump in. It says Mark chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum, 
Several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now I thought about how I could demonstrate this, but then I'm like, how am I going to dig a hole in the ceiling? And we got to lower Gilbert because he's like the smallest dude. So, you know, you can't lower, you can't lower me down here, you know, <laughs> like how are we going to demonstrate this? So just imagine in your mind, I'm preaching and some dude just falls right here, just hangs like a spider, you know, spidey time. Right. And uh, they're just, those are some real friends. Those are some real friends who will dig a hole in a roof to get you to Jesus. Those are some real people who won't just go, hey, I'm praying for you, brother. Because we all do that, right? Oh, I'm so sorry, praying for you. <laughs> you ain't praying for nothing. <laughs> no, you're not. These people are praying for him. You can't get to Jesus. There's too much, there's too much people. There's a big crowd. Here's what we're going to do. I'm going to dig a hole in the roof for you and lower you down with your mat. And you're going to be standing right in front of Jesus right there. Those are real friends. That's some real people to hang around. You need to get around some people that'll be willing to lower you through a roof just to get your healing. That'll do anything to help you. Those are real friends. A lot of people talk and don't do anything. I pray that we're a church that acts. Amen. I pray we're a church that doesn't just talk about helping, but we actually help. Amen. We actually go and do the work. So in verse six, it says, but some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. <laughs> Jesus was amazing. He always, always backed up what he said. He always fulfilled what he promised. He asked them a question. What do you think is easier? Just telling the man his sins are forgiven or healing him and he actually gets up and walks. What do you think is easier? Oh yeah, just say it. Just say your sins are forgiven. Now he's going to prove that he has the authority to forgive sins by showing them he also has the authority to heal him. Amen. There's only one authority you should ever really be concerned about. And that's the authority of Jesus Christ in your life. The New Testament says something very interesting. I think it was Paul that said it. He said, do not fear what man can do to your mortal body. Only fear 
what God can do to your immortal soul. <laughs> we may fear this world sometimes. This world can be dark. It can be scary. We may fear what people may do to us. What people may say about us, you know, backstabbing, all these things. We may fear all that stuff. But the truth is we should never fear those things. Amen. We should only be concerned with what Jesus says about us Amen. and how Jesus views us. And if we're living our life through the lens of Jesus, if we're living our life for him, you may have authorities in your life. You may have a boss. You may have people above you. That's all great. Honor and respect your authority, but do not fear them the way you should fear Christ. Amen. Because he's the only one that can really, really heals you. He's the only one that really, really can forgive your sins. You might feel better when you get something off your chest that you did to one of your co-workers or friends or whatever, but the truth of the matter is you have to go to God. Amen. And he said it very clear. I'm going to back this up. I'm going to back up the fact that I can heal, that I can forgive their sins by showing them that I can also heal their body. What is he saying? He's saying nothing's impossible. We sang it this morning. Nothing is impossible Amen. with him. That's right. Nothing can stop his love, his grace, and his mercy from doing what it does. Let's continue on. Verse 12. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through Walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Ah, she got an amen for me. We've never seen anything like this before. Let me tell you something. I know I kind of say this a lot, but Jesus did not come to the earth the way people expected him to come. Yeah. The religious leaders, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the whole world really expected that when their king showed up, he was going to come on a white horse with a sword, a crown, with you know 10,000 angels at his side and take over, and the kingdom was going to be established on the earth all like that in an instant. That's what they thought. That's how they interpreted the Old Testament. That's how they interpreted the old prophets like Isaiah and Jeremiah when they would declare what Jesus is going to do, what the Messiah was going to do. They didn't understand that there were stages to the process. And so when Jesus shows up and he showed up as a child, he showed up as an infant. He showed up as a vulnerable little baby and had to grow and learn this life called humanity. They didn't really know how to take the fact that he was saying he was the Messiah. They didn't understand. They didn't believe. They had a hard time comprehending it because in their mind, a king was showing up, not a carpenter. Not the guy from Nazareth that everyone knew. Not the baby in the manger. That's not what they expected. They expected big, bold, bad dude. And here he comes, instead of overthrowing the government like they expected, he overthrew their hearts. And he said, I'm, I'm not here 
to take over this government the way you want me to. I'm here to take over the government of your heart and say, you should be healed from that. You should be set free from that. You should be restored from that. What use is it to have a new government and your body's still broken? Amen. And your heart is still broken. What use of it is Jesus to show up and establish this kingdom and he doesn't have the kingdom in your heart yet? So that's what he came to do. Everybody thought he came to establish this kingdom on earth. He came to establish a kingdom within us. He came to establish his government within us. No one expected that. So they didn't know how to take him. So here Jesus is walking around and everything that he touches is being corrected to the order of the kingdom. That body's got to get healed. That mind has to be restored. This person needs to be forgiven of sins. Restructuring, ordering, correcting them into the order of the kingdom. Meanwhile, the religious people who thought they knew it all are going, this is not what it's supposed to be. They're condemning him. They don't believe in him. They're saying he's a, a phony. He's a fake. This is not really the, the son of God. But yet they've never seen anything like this before. People are getting healed. They're walking away forgiven. Their eyes are opening. Their legs are moving again. Their arms are growing back. We can go into so many stories. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus did so many miracles that all the books in the world could not contain what he did. That's what the scripture says. He did so much in his lifetime that the whole world could not contain what he did. He did our Jesus. Hey, here's a little, here's a little information for you. No politician anywhere is going to save us. Because they're just getting crazier and crazier. And we keep electing crazier and crazier people. And our choices are horrible. Doesn't matter how you cut it. God's going to use them however he wants to use them. Doesn't mean they're perfect. Doesn't mean they're what we want. But we're still looking to them like they're going to solve our problems. They're not going to solve our problems. They were looking for a political leader. He showed up as a spiritual transformation. That's what I'm after. I'm after that spiritual transformation. I'm done relying on this world to provide me with what I want and what I expect. Yeah, good. I want to depend and rely on the truth that no matter what, because I have Jesus on the inside of me, I have everything that I need. Amen. And let me tell you something. You can raise your kids to work hard. Please do so. You can raise your kids to get an education. Please do so. But please raise your kids to honor God. Amen. Because if they can do all that other stuff and they can't honor God, you've missed it. Little news flash. Okay. My son is eight years old, about to be nine. He thinks he's, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo reincarnated. 
Okay, he thinks he can play soccer like the best in the world, right? Guess what? He's never going to be a professional soccer player, okay? He ain't never going to be no professional soccer player, okay? Our children aren't that good. Only 1% of all athletes actually make it professional. Your child is not going pro. You better teach him how to pray. I'm just telling you the truth. Teach him how to pray. Seriously, unless you're like one of those parents that, you know, we're in every, you know, club, summer club, winter club, spring club, you know, on the planet. And, you know, you're spending a million dollars a year trying to get them the best training. They ain't going pro. Maybe Kenny. That dude's a tank. He might play for LSU and go to the NFL. I don't know. You, you put a football in that dude's hands. Anything's possible. We believe in Kenny. He's the 1%. He's the 1%. <laughs> Kenny, you're the 1%, bro. Let's lay hands on the brother. <laughs> you're the Messiah. <laughs> no. <laughs> He's the one percent. Yeah. Oh, don't, I forgot about Kenny. Maybe, maybe Kenny. Maybe Kenny. That's right, boy. Cause that dude's a tank, man. What's he weigh? Like ninety-five pounds, and he's four years old. <laughs> oh, I'm not even joking, right? Didn't he weigh like ninety-five? Eighty-seven. Okay, I was close. Eighty-seven pounds. He's like four years old. Shh, don't mess with that dude. He's my bodyguard. <laughs> he's my bodyguard. Anything you need, Kenny, you let me know. <laughs> I'll sponsor you, man. <laughs> Everybody else, though, your kids ain't going pro. Okay, you better teach them how to pray. You better teach them how to read their Bible. Because that's going to provide for them and save them more than anything else in this world. Can I get an amen? Amen. The next part of this story is actually kind of a separate story. And it's so interesting. It's in verse 13. It says, Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again and taught the crowds that were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up and followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. There were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. Lock that in your notepad right there. But when the teachers of religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. I'm not one to quote Catholic stuff very much, but Pope Francis, Francis, I can't even say it, can't even say it right. Pope Francis said something very interesting. He said, mercy 
is the dynamite that blows down the walls around people's hearts. I said, whoa. It's so true. Mercy is the dynamite that blows down the walls that separate us. Jesus showed up and he didn't go dine with kings and politicians. He dined with tax collectors, sinners, disreputable people. People that you and I probably don't even want to be around. He going eating at their house. They're inviting him in. Would they invite you in? Would they invite me in? They're inviting him in. You know why? Because that's who he came for. That's who he showed up for. That's why he came to earth. Not for the people who think they're righteous, but for the ones who know they're messed up and they need help. John chapter 5, you'll find what a list called the Beatitudes. And I love this one little phrase. It's always stuck out in my mind. It says, blessed are those who recognize their need for him, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. See, there's something about me who's been raised up my whole life in Christian, a Christian worldview, a Christian home, going to church since before I was even born. I think I was dancing to the organ in my mama's womb. <laughs> Just doing that in my mama's womb. I'm pretty sure if back then they had all the sonogram stuff, you would have seen me like this. I've been in church my whole life. And there's a difference between me and someone who's been on the street their whole life. And I would venture to say that more times than not, the person on the street recognizes their need for God more than I do. Because I got a lot. I have more than what I need. You have more than what you need. And so often, we forget in our struggle, in our turmoil, that he's all we need. And we forget to recognize our need for him in this situation. Blessed are those that recognize their need for him, for they shall inherit the kingdom of God. You want everything that God promised you? Understand you need him first. You really want to live a truly blessed life? Understand you need him first. That's why he says in Matthew 10, 33, seek first the kingdom of heaven and everything else will be added. So here comes Jesus calling on people to follow him. And he didn't go to the temple to find the most studious person of the Torah or to find the most honorable person that had the best reputation that was a good Follower of the Lord. He went to the tax collector booth. The tax collectors were literally like the worst profession in the land in those days. No one respected the tax collectors. They were thieves. They were crooks. They took everyone's money. And when they didn't pay, they charged them double interest on what they owed. And it just kept getting bigger. It basically tax collector is world finance. 
Those people that, that do like the loans at 300%, that's what these guys were doing. You know, those payday loan people, that's these people. That's, that's Levi sitting at the tax collector booth. That's what he was doing. And that's who he went to to find his next disciple. He didn't go to the temple. He didn't go to where everyone was perfect and looked like this. Looks so good. <laughs> he didn't do that. He went to the scummiest place he could go and said, follow me. You know why? Because they were desperate to follow someone that cared. So as Levi who, by the way, his name later becomes Matthew, my namesake. He's talking to me. As Levi follows Jesus, he said, hold up. I know some more tax collectors. Can we all get together and have dinner? <laughs> Jesus said, yeah, let's do this. His disciples came. The Pharisees, the Sadducees were all curious like what are they doing where are they going they'd followed them into the ghetto where all the scummiest people of the earth lived where everyone that nobody wanted to hang out with lived and they said what is he doing eating there and they literally said why does he eat with such scum I don't know about you, but I ain't never been called scum. I've never been called worthless. Whoever he was eating with, the Bible says, had a very disreputable reputation. They weren't people you wanted to hang around. They were sinners at their core. And that's who Jesus chose to go eat a meal with. And then he gave his reason. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Why don't you ask yourself a question this morning? Ask yourself, do I view myself as righteous? Do I view myself as holy and perfect? Do I view myself as better than other people? I, I mean, I, I would never recommend you look down on yourself, but I just, I'm just curious, do you, would you question yourself for a second and say, do I view myself and think of myself as a righteous person, because Jesus said very clearly, he said, do not think of yourself higher than you ought to. Or do you view yourself as someone who desperately needs Christ every single day? Amen. We were all sinners. We have, the Bible says we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory 
of God. There's not a single one of us in here who has done it right their whole life. We've all messed up. You probably ain't done it right in this last week. Amen. <laughs> Returning stuff that you bought, you used once so you could wear it for the party, and then you return it, you know what I'm saying? Anybody done that? They changing all their return policies because of stuff like that. <laughs> That's right. We've done all this. We've probably done some messed up stuff in the past month. And yet here's Jesus knocking on the door. I want to dine with you. He said it again in the book of Psalms. He says, God resists the proud. He resists the proud. Pushes back. Resist means get away. Pushing away. Rejecting the proud. But gives grace to the humble. You want to know what the loophole is in this story? The more humble you are, the more of God you can have. The more proud you are, the less of God you will see. You want to see some miracles in your life? You want to see God move in your life? Get rid of your pride. That's the first mountain that's got to go. You want to God see do something in your life that only he can do? Get rid of everything that makes you think that you're more righteous than the next person. Remind yourself that you and I, we're the same. I'm not more holy than you. I'm not better than you. I'm just the one God gave the responsibility to slap you with the Bible with. <laughs> I'm just the one that said yes. I'm not better than you. This doesn't make me better. This, you know, pulpit, this doesn't make me more important. This makes me more accountable. But it doesn't make me more important. You should remind yourself that no matter what, you need to move your pride out of the way and recognize you need him above everything else. Let's stand. I want to pray this morning. You just bow your heads with me. Lord, you're so good. Your grace, your mercy, your favor, you're so good. Help us to remind ourselves who you are. Help us to focus on the fact that you're with us in all things and you're good no matter what is going on. Lord, I pray this morning that your grace and your mercy will be embedded in our soul. That we would look to you in every situation and remove our pride and say, Jesus, just draw me closer. Just draw me closer. Thank you for joining us this week. Our vision is to plant churches that are life-changing. If you would like to support this ministry, you can easily do so by visiting our website, PursuitCC.com. Also, follow us on all social media outlets using at PursuitCC. Have a blessed day.